Welcome to another episode of the SNC podcast, a podcast featuring conversations with Nigerian creatives and business executives about the creative business and legal aspects of music, arts, and entertainment. I am your host, Bola Shade Anouzier. These trying and uncertain yet powerful times of change reinforce the reality that music, society, and business do not exist in a vacuum. On one hand, a lot of Nigerians are becoming more aware of the unmitigated injustice that Nigerian women and children in particular have to deal with every single day. You couple this with the constant harassment and killings that Nigerian men continue to encounter at the hands of Nigerian police officers. On the other hand, you look at what's going on in America. Millions of black people, and quite frankly, millions of Americans from all walks of life are rightfully protesting and demanding for equality and justice for black people. Basic rights that they have been deprived of for so long. People across the world have also protested in solidarity that black lives matter. And on the Nigerian entertainment front, COVID-19 unfortunately continues to have a detrimental impact on the industry. This is the backdrop against which this interview was recorded. And my guest was Oyin Konsola Fawemi. Oyin Konsola, who is popularly known as Foza Doza, is a Nigerian music executive and lawyer. She obtained her law degree and diploma in security studies from Babcock University and was called to the Nigerian bar in 2014. She is one of the partners at the Nigerian boutique law firm Technological Partners and is a business manager at Incubation Factory Entertainment Limited, a talent and label services agency based in Lagos, Nigeria. My conversation with her covered politics, the Nigerian Copyright Act, strategy, contracts, and more. Hi, Fosa. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Hi. <laughs> I, I know. It's been a long minute. I know. I, know right? I, I So the reason I'm laughing is that you were texting and then I was like, hi, Fosa. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Honestly, I'm sad. What? There's, there's a lot going on in the world. Yeah. In Nigeria and a second home as well. You know, it's just... And I think what breaks my heart is the fact that we see protests in America, right? And then when it comes to Nigeria, I wonder when we're going to all move from just talking about it on social media and then going to action. And I was telling my mom yesterday, it also sucks when people now say they're going to take action. And a lot of times it seems that Nigerians don't support that person especially when it's a justified you know justified cause that affects all of us yeah you know i can totally relate because i'm kind of going through that thing in my own like industry right now and it's funny because for those of us that can see five years from now and we know the kind of deep issues that we're going to get into because of the decisions we make now it's very hard to be the only lone voice making noise in the desert and saying, yo, this thing is going to put us in trouble. This thing is going to, it's detrimental because right now a lot of us are focused on what is the immediate gain. This period now, like COVID and everything, I, I'm, I'm quite spiritual, right? And this period for me is like, there's a tectonic shift, right? Everything is 
leveling. I feel like God is saying, you know what, it's time for those that have given the opportunity or those that have given those that resources to come to the fore and actually use what I've given them to make the world a better place. So this is the period where 10% will come out again and become the new billionaires. And this is, I feel like this is the time for Africa, right? It's the time for Africa to solidify its position. And it's, it, it's happening, right? But it's happening in very small pockets, right? And we, every, first of all, everybody has seen, America has been demystified. <laughs> you know, so oh. all of us are looking and we're like, wow, we can actually be better than America. And the first step is everyone in their, like in the Francophone countries, right? They've kicked out France. The African Development Bank last week, the US was trying to run the one man that is sitting and looking like, how can we have so much resources? And we're losing out. So in four years, it has reduced important by a significant amount mm -hmm. and of, obviously the guys that are gaining from it are upset and mm -hmm. they're trying to rope in him with oh is is this is that and all the african presidents came together and said no so it's that same period now that you know we're looking because two years ago a certain fund came into the industry the entertainment industry and i sat down and i said this this is not good it's money but it's not good because the driving force was to take over the media and now that media media through entertainment is culture you know shapes culture and is a very strong pillar and these people want to come in put in the money to build these resources the infrastructure and control the media and you know this week we saw tiktok was highlighting hashtag black black life and america immediately was like hell no you can't do that and they started uninstalling the app but I'm looking at it that if it's in Nigeria here and I'm saying that you guys, this app is detrimental. Remove it. I'm sure, and, and it's unfortunate that the elite class that we use these things that are supposed to know are so ignorant. You know, we're extremely ignorant. It's painful. So you're looking at it and you're just like, it's very frustrating. You know, I mean, there's this fight that I'm currently on because I've seen the end game. I've seen the end result. And, you know, one of the first reactions I got was, ah, pushing something with these people why would you do this and should be told like i've gained from these people i'm not gonna lie like, mm -hmm. i've gained but i'm looking at them like you're still doing trash i cannot encourage this trash baby same way i want someone to call me out when i'm doing trash mm -hmm. no matter how much good i've done i still do trash you know and mm -hmm. i need to be called out because at the end of the day it's not about me it's not about one person it's about like the collective group two years ago I was really frustrated about the political class, you know, very frustrated. And I decided that, you know what, I'm going to get my PVC and I'm going to vote. Because, truth is, I'm, I'm always complaining and I've never voted. <laughs> so I went out and I picked a candidate. I picked two candidates, one, one in my hometown, Ondo State. And I said, okay, you know what, I'm going to donate, even if it's 10K, to your campaign. I know it might not make a huge difference, but I'm going to donate it because, because we went to school together. I know, your, I know you, I know your passion, and I stand for what you, you know, I, I support you. Fortunately, one, um, I supported Banky. In fact, I volunteered to come. I mean, I saw you at, um, <laughs> wasn't the social media week? Yeah, every, everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. You know, and people didn't understand. When, when people would ask me, ah, the Banky pay you, I can conveniently tell you that, I didn't even, even the free food that Banky would give us after this thing. I wasn't even eating it. I would probably give it to someone, maybe my driver when I get home. It's probably water, you know, when we finish walking mm -hmm. and doing the, the, this thing. And it just opened my eyes to see that, you know, 
when you get rich, you know, someone was arguing the other day that we have upper middle class. I'm like, shut up. We have poor <laughs> and extremely wealthy. There's, There's no, no middle, middle class. class. So why are we deceiving ourselves? You know, because you can afford an iPhone 11 Pro, which you have to save six months to be able to buy. That's not riches, you know. And when I entered the slums and we're doing this campaign, my heart kept breaking. Hmm. My heart kept breaking and I'm just like, we're so disconnected. We're so disconnected. And it's painful because, you know, I, I started talking to people and the truth is, even... I know the funny thing is, even myself, that I'm a lawyer, I spent five years, I went to six years, I went to school, I'm presumably well-read, you know. I just, I just realized that I focus a lot on the presidential campaign, and it doesn't really have any yeah, power. Yeah. It's the legislative arm of government, yeah. and we've totally neglected that. And when you check the people that are going into the... You're just like, bro, is it, how, do, how can this guy understand yeah. that for a Tiosa... I need you to create a community that caters for creatives. Why? Because from that community, we can have people that would, you know, be the ones that would employ for when there's Lagos Festival. You employ those drummers from Etiosa to do the live band. You know, I couldn't also relate to the fact that the counterpart of, of Banky would come and say, oh, I donated 12 bottles. I'm like, first of all, like, bro, we've passed the age of bottles. And mm. I totally understand that some people need it. But that gap, you know, I, I live in Etios, I pay taxes. I need value for my tax. So bottles doesn't benefit me. So you have to balance that class. But then again, I now realize that because of Banky's campaign, that's when the elite, elite in quote, came out and realized that, Actually, we are being sidelined because for every time the poor people elect someone in, you know, they just get their classroom renovated, which makes no sense. Yeah. So these things, and I, and I totally share it with you. I mean, I'm seeing all the Blackout Tuesday. I'm seeing like companies that are doing Blackout Tuesday, no show, this thing. Are the same companies ruining company, the, the country? You know, yeah. they're the same. So, yeah. so I was talking to my business partner today. I said, is it bad that I'm not putting up a poster? Yeah. I'm not, I, feel, I, I was kind of feeling somewhat. Then I realized that, man, I actually do a lot of exactly. good. Exactly. Beyond just putting up. Yeah, yeah like my, mm -hmm. my company doesn't, like I know I pay my, for one thing, I pay my, I was talking to my accountant Jason and I was pissed because I just realized that I still have to pay tax. I'm paying taxes. I'm not getting value for, for my tax. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm better off than all these companies that are probably putting Blackout Tuesday for show and PR mm -hmm. and everything. So I don't feel guilty. Yeah. I don't feel guilty if I need to, like my like now, my office has been closed for two months. It's detrimental to my business. But I can't have people coming to the office when I'm when they don't have transport yeah. and they're going to you know get infected. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about the legal liabilities and the health liabilities and like it makes no sense, yeah. you know. But some the people are putting blackouts that they've been released. <laughs> so I get you, and it's totally frustrating. Some people will argue that it's still hiding, you know, advocates. But the truth is, I don't think Nigerians have had it up to yet. <laughs> when they because right now you can feel that America is angry. Yeah. I didn't even you know it was it's funny that I was getting upset for Ben Simmons last year. Yeah. Like really guys. So when they started burning down places, I said, Oh, about time. Yeah. Like you guys took this long. But they've gotten to that they've gotten to that level. Yeah. So when I see people saying, uh, oh, this is not the time to shoot, it's not the time to loot and everything, I'm just like, You push them. My mom was asking me this morning that 
I mean, no, she was, I've not been asking. She was teasing me that I'm sure it's because I used to live in Chicago. She's like, if you're in Chicago, I know that you, I know that you would go protest. And I was like, of course I would, I would go protest because even the area that I live in, that's a bougie area that I used to live in, I would walk into my building and I would see the looks that I would get. People would be like, oh, so you actually live here? Or maybe I'm going to class and I see officers and the way they look at me, I'm like, they're like, hmm, is she, is she supposed to be here? So it's like, and I think that until Nigerians understand that. What affects the market woman and market man also affects you. Yeah. I went to the market last week with my mom and I was asking the lady who was selling um, Iwedu and I was asking her, asking her that how has lockdown affected her business? And she was just talking about all the different negative things that have come with that. And again, for me, and she was just saying that she hopes that people really understand that this lockdown is affecting the common man. So we that we are here doing podcasts, know. you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't really, you're, you're right. And I think that I wonder when Nigerians are going to have it up to our faces and we're going to not just be paying lip service to we want good governance, but really taking action. Because I saw someone, I think it was Japheth, I think I saw someone retweet a tweet that he said that um, America has done all these different things. We are the sanctions from Nigeria. Because we don't have any authority, we don't have any like power to actually say so. So I'm going going back to your point about the African Development Bank and all these different things. They are just so inter they're intertwined. Yeah. And until Nigeria really understands that, until we have not even until we have, the moment we as Nigerians start valuing our lives as who we are, like we believe that not just being a Nigerian is not just not just about, you know, having parties and enjoying jollof rice. But when we really value who we are, like you value your gates man, you value your your um house girl, you value your cleaner, it's going to be hard for the world to rally around you. And I feel like that that's a trickle down effect that starts from who we value. What do we value? We don't value ourselves because if we did me seeing people going to protest and supporting Black Lives Matter, which I said they were protesting this morning. Yeah. I'm not saying that you shouldn't protest Black Lives Matter. I'm, I'm American, so I could go and join you. But really, there are more pressing issues in Nigeria. Sure. Women are being raped and killed on the daily, and that is not in any way, shape, or form causing all of us to go out to go and protest and, like, march. I don't know. I just feel like we have our priorities. It is just so depressing. You know? You know, know, I have have this theory, right? And I I feel like, first of all, you know, we have, like, three sets of generation. The current generation, which is ruling the ruling class, which will fade out by the next election, thankfully, because they've been doing this for almost three decades. (laughs) You know, like, you know, the second generation is our generation. You know, this group, which, frankly, is... 70% 70% the lost cause. Then the next generation are those that are still in SS2, SS3. And those ones, I try as much as... And when people ask me, why do I go back to my secondary school a lot? It's because I'm like, I go back and I try to show them like, yo, you have the opportunity to change yeah. you know, this country. And unfortunately, my generation were just like 10% that are fighting the fight. You know, I was tweeting something, I tweeted something the other day, I said, so now that... You know, for the longest time in my head, I never understood why I would go to church and people would come out and give testimonies for an American visa. It never used to, you know, make sense to mm-hmm. me. This year, I was, I was so frustrated to the extent that I've started, you know, when people are saying, oh, they're investing in lands and everything, I'm investing in buying a second passport. Why? Because I just want to be able to travel with ease. 
not that I want to leave this country. I have no intention of leaving this country, right? Yeah. So, and I said, you guys, you guys go and you say, okay, you want America, you pray for America, visa, you fast. I'm like, just to get knees on your neck. And if you see the response, of course, I'll pick that over Nigeria. I'll pick, I that say, Nigeria. Yeah, I'll yeah. pick And I'm like, so if everybody's going, who's going to keep this country? As much as we think it's a lost cause, I promise you, if we spend in the next 20 years, yes, yes, in the next, before I die, 20 years is going to be like, maybe I'm going to be in my mid-50s or something like that, right? This country can be way better than it is now. Yeah. So I, f- I feel like the, 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 the work is in orientating the younger ones we have now. Start che- teaching. When I was growing up, they used to teach us values of moral instruction, how to be a good citizen. Now, all those things, contentment, right? And these things, as funny as it is, I know that when, when, when they taught us contentment in school, one of the things they would tell you is, don't be looking at another person's sweet. Yeah. As little as that is, yeah. it, it translates to the yeah. way we deal with each other. The reason why someone wants to get an iPhone 11 Pro is not because your iPhone 10 is bad. Mm-hmm. It's because you're just seeing the other person and you be like, I want to feel among. I just want to have, yeah, I just want to have three cameras, yeah. you know, at the back. And that's why you would want to take bribe. That's why you would want to, you know, as an OAP, you feel like it's your right to demand for money to play music. I've never really understood that thing. Like, and maybe it's because it's the A&R in me who just likes to discover people and like promote them regardless. And as much as I say that, I'm also very type A and I believe in like the power of money. My last name is Anoji. I am E. So <laughs> money is central to me. But for me to tell someone to pay me to play your music, that just doesn't sit well with my spirit. It's never. It's, it just it just doesn't. But you know, and you know, the fundamental problem with that is that the real training of being a radio person. Mm-hmm. 90% of our radio OAPs don't have it. So if they're giving you the fundamentals, which is your job as radio is to feed, the, as the media is to feed the public information and not to be biased about that information. There's no way, I promise you, there's no way it will sit well with your spirit to collect money to play music. Because once you start collecting money to pay music, you cannot tell the artist that, I don't like this song. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't play. Yeah. That's why a lot of them don't even have genres they promote. That's why when, when you listen to See the God, you know, Charlemagne the God, mm-hmm. Charlemagne the God will tell you what he needs to tell you. You know, mm-hmm. piece off. And you cannot tell me that Charlemagne the God is living the life of an artist. That's the problem. The OAPs don't start living the life of the artist. That's not your job. You chose this profession and you know the tax brackets you belong to. Mm-hmm. Why are you looking at the artist's ta- tax bracket? I think for me, it would even, I don't mind if you take money from the labels because labels do payola because you want to get steady rotation. But when you now, an artist now pays you to promote their song, and then the one, I don't know how to sit in your bar, oh, I was you. Oh, you are player. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> because, but you know, the thing is, the thing is, they don't, the truth is, they don't even really have the power to control the music that goes on radio. You know, the OAPs, to, to an extent, they don't. And you look at it, you're just like, why are you lying? You collect like a million from someone. So, so when artists come to me and say, oh, they've paid this person, they've paid that person, and you don't want to pay me, the legal person, money, bah. You're touching on so many things that we haven't even, you know, do you know what's so funny? It's 17 minutes in, or like almost 18 minutes, and we haven't even gotten to the core. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, yeah, you are touching on so many things that, you know, I want to discuss with you. So let's just jump right in because, and you just touched on something. As a lawyer, 
do you get frustrated when you give someone okay the person says of course i want to ask you for your legal advice i'm not going to pay you but just let me know what you think and you give the person sound legal advice that based on the facts this is what i think you should do and then the person doesn't do that and then things now get worse and then i want you to rectify that situation does that make you frustrated does that annoy you uh early in my career yes now i you can't just, be bothered yeah because i feel like i've given seven years of my life to this industry trying to get people to understand how to run properly and i was on a be franklin show like some days ago and i just realized that what i've been talking about for seven years they're just getting it <laughs> so that's a good thing mm-hmm. because Progress. now i mean i mean it's not a good mm-hmm. thing but before i used to be so frustrated and but now i'm just like all right sometimes you have to fall into that ditch to to you know need my advice like i, I see labels that want to sign a particular artist from the negotiation i can tell if this relationship is going to be a bad relationship because of the characters mm-hmm. and that's part of your job as a lawyer you know and i told this this label this artist you want to sign i'm sorry you know because i also have an air and our part in me i'm sorry this artist is going to need at least 3 years of artist development mm-hmm. to get to any form of and this is because the current competition in the industry it can't compete but they don't want to listen oh somebody brought him in this other artist has baggages from his former contract and he has a huge sense of entitlement you can't sign this artist if you're signing this artist be ready to do another 3 years of artist development mm-hmm. which is crucial you know and and we go into 6 months into the agreement you're already complaining you're upset you are this yet i'm like but i told you you know before it, before it used to piss me off because i'm not collecting my money now i've collected my money mm, yeah. you listen mm, you don't listen yeah. so what i now do is i just put a clause that if you don't listen to my advice which my advice is always in an email so that you don't go out and and be like oh that lawyer said that lawyer did not advise mm-hmm. so i always have my receipts so when you come back i just show you i want you yeah i want you you know so before you should piss me up but now it doesn't you know you touched on one of my questions and i'm going to get to it later and because i i as i was drafting that question i said it just came into my head and i was like this is me being like a sweet nice person <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to ask you that now um you talked about the fact that you put that in a clause in your contracts in situations whereby an artist comes to you and says that i want to sign this deal And I know you're not a psychologist, but what would you tell an artist who seems very desperate to sign a contract or sign a label because sign to a label because you need the resources? Because a lot of times we hear half a loaf of bread is better than none. Abi, but sometimes it seems like having none is even better than the half you're going to get. So what what would you tell the artist? So from my experience, right, those that are desperate, those that are always desperate, have the following characteristics. One, they're extremely lazy. Two, they've not invested in themselves. Three, they're extremely entitled. So you see, those three fundamentals also has an underlining, the biggest issue, which is greed. If you've invested in yourself and you know the effort you've put into it and you're not lazy, because lazy would translate to you know that this is your passion. You know that it's currently not making you money. It's common sense. that you get something that is making you money to invest in this. Yeah. so because you know that it's hard work to do a 9 to 5 or to be employed and also do music the laziness comes out 
you're not trying to get a job. But when you get a job, you have resources. So you can actually pay pay producers to make the music. You can pay the distributors to distribute the music. You can pay for proper PR. Right by the time you do all that, you know the value that you bring. So when I am talking to you, and you even I've, I've had clients that they can't afford me, but they will tell me I'll pay you in seven months. So every month they want to be paying ten ten k or five five k. I would work with that client mm-hmm. because the person understands that's, the value. Yeah. So that's when you pay me that money, you you always would listen to my advice. So in 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 those desperate situations, frankly, I don't work with those kind of people. I just tell you this is a bad deal. If you want to like this is what's going to happen after. If you take it, kudos. If you don't take it, like I've also had situations where, because I saw the talent in in the artist and I still saw the desperation, I tried to help out to renegotiate the deal to the best possible uh, possible way. Some worked out, some didn't, and those that didn't, you know, they still came back. Um, the one that stopped their future. It used to make me feel so guilty. So I'll start looking for, okay, how can I hook you up? How can I? But then I didn't realize that I'm not the owner of this dream. I used to disturb me. Like, I'm not the owner of this dream. Mm-hmm. I just did my own job. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. So, so, but if, if an artist, I always believe that if an artist has done those three things, invested in themselves, you know, they, they know the value. Yeah. Because you know how much you've spent. So That's true. Yeah. You know, and even you're talking about finding a job. So you're looking for, you're, you're trying to grow your career and looking for a job. For example, my podcast, it's not yet making money. I'm looking for a job. So anybody out there who's looking for corporate <laughs> communications, you know, She's executive very, very good and, or that. brand development, please reach out to me because the sister is about to go begging on the street at this particular <laughs> point. <laughs> point in time. Now, I think that it is important that we discuss the concept of leverage because I feel like that is always ignored. People just say, ah, you signed a bad deal, something, something, something. They took me for granted, blah, 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 blah. Can you talk about the importance? Because even when you go to the markets, you see leverage comes into play. Yeah. Anywhere except for like stores that have set prices, right? Yeah, yeah. So talk about what it means to have leverage or not have leverage and how that plays out when you're going to sign a deal with the label or whether it's a JV, whatever it is. So as an artist, your biggest leverage is how much catalog you have and how much community you've built. So if you're going to a label and you have... 200 followers, no song ever released, just demos or voice notes. Of course, if I'm negotiating for the label, I'll take everything from you because I'm about to do the highest level of work. I know what people don't understand is that, I mean, after the first month, second month, they say, oh, you've not released any single for me, but you've still not even found your sound. Artist development again. Yeah, artist, like you've not, and that that is... I have, I have an artist that is, it took us five years, Basky. It took us five years for me to get him both mentally, character-wise, mm-hmm. and music-wise to where I needed him to be. And he used to look at me as the abinga of evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, down to, there's a meeting by two. Why are you coming at 2.10? Yeah. You are, you are sitting in a meeting with people and you didn't greet. You are in a meeting and you're wearing shades. Or I'm asking you every month, I need five masters from you or five complete songs from you and you're sending me one or two with excuses. Why? Just, or I tell you, you know, we have to go some, We have to go for an event. You have to be going for a basement gig every month. I don't care whether you, you are learning. You have, every month you have to be submitting to me the new friends you've made. 
or the new industry friends you've made. You know, your social media has to be growing by 500 followers every every month. You have to respond to every DM. Like, those things are actual training. Now, it took five... Like, you always used to be so upset. Like, it's, you were so upset at one point because mm-hmm. before we recorded his new EP, I, I, sub, I subjected him to about three months of vocal training. I said, I don't want to hear any song. Just go and do your vocal yeah. training. And, you know, the training he was doing, he, he was doing at Freedom Park and they would make him stand on the stage and recite, you know, poems. And he just used to look like, ah, like, what's this? But because I knew that when you, when you do that, mm-hmm. you do your gym and you do your vocal, huh. the strength of your voice yep. goes ridiculously well. And when, when, when he started sending me songs, you know, I was like, okay, Working. It's working. And I found, no, I'm saying it took us five years because mm-hmm. all the songs they have been releasing, I would say, no, we can't release. No, we're not releasing. And I used to be very upset. All my business partners were like, oh, this thing is taking too long and everything. And when the final product came out, down to the way it was looking, dressed, the artwork and everything, everybody was like, wow, this is magic. Oh, my God. And I'm like, it took us five years yeah. to get here. So now the thing I would be fighting with him, like, go, go to your Twitter Twitter retweet and everything. He says, no, it's personality. I don't care if it's your personality. We need to make money. Go and do this. And now he's doing it with ease. And I'm telling them, I'm like, this is because we've done this for almost three years. Mm-hmm. So imagine it's like another label that was doing it and they didn't put him to us. Because I will sit you down and I will explain the expense and what it's going to, you know, yeah. result to. Now, an, a typical artist that is entitled cannot understand it. I've dealt with like different artists that use different methods for them, and they can't. But same on the underlining principle, they can't understand it. Same thing for a label that can't understand it. why will I spend? Because those things are expensive. Artist development is extremely expensive. Sheesh. So I, I'm not looking for to make money in t- in two months time. Mm-hmm. I know that this thing is going to take Long me another time. three years or four years. So the label doesn't understand. The artist doesn't understand. But then why are you in the business? Because but well, go ahead, yeah. So, you see, I keep telling people, IP is not market. It's not fast consumer moving goods. Mm-hmm. It's like land. You buy land in... So, let me give you an example. So, Papa Lanto is somewhere, I think, around our open state side. Three years ago, dead. Now, Buari came in, commissioned the train line. And the train line started work. Like, they started putting... Now, 2020, the train line is done. The train line is going from, I think, Festac, Iyanoba, something, then Papalanto. Then. Now, Papalanto, because it's a stop, if I go, if I bought land there, immediately I heard Buari signed the train this thing, let's say at 100,000. That was like 2014. By 2020, because now the trains Valley. have started working, that land has increased by another four multiple or five multiple but it took like five years now in another five years because now people have built warehouse people start living there it's going to increase by another 10 multiple that's how music is so you're not investing for now yeah and that's what people get wrong they Mm -hmm. think it's like we're selling milk we're selling bon vita it's not so far as an artist when you have, I can't go and talk to an artist that already has two, before we used to call it mixtape. I can't go and talk to an artist that already has two EPs, you know, 5, 000, um, 10,000 followers, and an engagement of more than 50%, you know, engagement rate, and be talking to him the way I would talk to someone that has just 100 followers. Mm-hmm. You can't. So that's what you used to negotiate. And I, and I do it a lot. You know, the label will come and I'll tell, I say, 
this person has spent because this EP is what this, this EP is what this, this is what this, this is what this. Meaning that if you have the right team, you've passed two years of artist development. You just have to put one more, which reduces your cost. So it's like the leverage, you can see the bargaining chip. Yeah. So that's how it works. Yeah. And I hope that people got that because a lot of times I think that I was just saying like to me, it just seems like leverage. People don't really understand that. It's not about necessarily saying, oh, the label is evil or the artist is dumb. Do you really just understand what leverage is? And I think when we do, it makes, not saying that it makes everything bright, but it makes more sense. You're able to understand why things happen the way they do. So thank you for explaining that. Yeah. A couple of months back, it was Megan Thee Stallion with, you know, her former label, 50, 1501 Certified Entertainment. And I think it was last week, it was Cynthia Morgan and Northside Inc. I'm sure you've seen the contract, which was actually released publicly. What do you think about the contract? So, first of all, um, there are a lot of, like, legally things wrong with the contract. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, those things that are wrong with the contract are legally even still in favor of Cynthia. You know, mm-hmm. and so first of all, I don't understand how she got the interpretation that she doesn't own the name. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where she got that mm-hmm. from. So generally, this is what I think. First of all, Jude, which is what I discussed on Ubi show, like a lot of us enter into this business based on family relationship. I still feel like we should be calling the music industry a family <laughs> as opposed to a business because that's how we all run it. Because there's no way that if Jude then, P-Square was already an they were African phenomenon. That means that you have to have gotten your business in order. You should have had a lawyer and retainer. Like, it doesn't, what does it really cost you to have yeah. a lawyer and retainer? So for you to allow the artist draft the contract and bring it to you and you just sign, I'm totally against that. Yeah. Also, for the manager and the artist to draft the contract themselves and bring it, I mean, the basic English was there, which was wanted to be 50-50, you know, wanted... But things like IP ownership wasn't properly delineated. Mm-hmm. Publishing rights were not properly delineated. Accounting mm-hmm. wasn't properly delineated. Mm-hmm. Exit clause wasn't properly delineated. Mm-hmm. Even the execution of the contract was faulty. You know, the party's definition was faulty. Because it's from... I know, and you know um, a lot of people forget very minute detail. Like in the background, we have, so there's a contract between myself and yourself. It says, Fosa is a legal expert, focused and specialized in the entertainment industry. Shade is a recording and an emerging recording and performing artist. Now, the reason we put those things is to define the capacity of yeah. both. So if, I, if in the contract, I've defined myself as an expert, mm-hmm. I'm going to be held to the standard of an expert. expert. Do you understand? So it's the same way the record contract should be. So if the label has said that we have the capacity to do distribution, marketing, and promotion, I'm going to hold you to that standard. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, and it's very... And when people... When I change those things in contract, people are just like, oh, Fosa is stressing out. But I know the implication of it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, Meg obviously got too excited because, you know, there's Jay in the picture, <laughs> you know, there's Queen B in the picture. However, you know, I, I think... She just took it over, but because I, I'm pretty, pretty, probably pretty sure that, you know, I don't know, two things. You can't, you, you can never disrespect the early investor. Whether we like it or not, these people took a chance on your career. Because truth be told, nobody will know you if they didn't take that step 
even if it's one naira they put in it. Mm-hmm. So we always have to respect, and that's what people don't understand. The courts anywhere in the world respect the investor because I'm gonna get to that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. because the money has to keep going around, and the more the investors feel like the money is not being protected, they keep leaving that industry until that industry dies, which is what is happening right now. Our country, our industry. Yeah. The only people coming in to buy or to put money in music are doing are beginning to are doing it as slave masters. So that free money, that free largesse, is out the window now. So general, my general thoughts is like it wasn't run like a business. It wanted to be a family venture. Do you think that Joy Tongo was wrong in drafting the contract because she's her manager? To be honest, yeah, I just feel like her only issue was that she was not a lawyer. Mm. So she couldn't understand to the furthest extent what shall we mean in the contract or may we mean in the contract. But Or must. Or must, right? So, but essentially, I feel like she, she did what she had to do. Okay. She did what she had to do. Yeah. Uh, maybe at that time, they couldn't afford a lawyer. Yeah. You and know. just a couple of comments like, oh, I think that there's a conflict of interest, yada, yada, yada. And you know, no, everybody, no. everybody always has their, their own. Because she, that contract reflected the, you know, there's something in, in contract we call meeting of the minds. Mm-hmm. So between Joy and Cynthia, that contract perfectly reflects what, what they all agreed on. What their minds yeah. went on. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's, I, I mean, people have been arguing, oh, there was no concrete meeting of the minds and everything. They all agreed to 50-50. That was the basic mm-hmm. of their contract. They just said, okay, because Cynthia can't afford it now, Jude, you run it. And it was all reflected in the agreement. Yeah. It was all reflected in the agreement. Now, if I move on, before I move on from Joy, one other question I have is she alleged that Cynthia owes her, I think, $30,000. What can artist managers do to protect themselves? So I'm, I'm going to use myself as a practical example, right? Because I've moved from being... A lawyer, which is in Nigeria, I cannot be a lawyer and be other things, and I'm called to be other things. Yeah. So, <laughs> so now I'm functioning fully as a music executive, which mm-hmm. now makes me. So we have we run a talent agency and we run a label services you know, situation. And for people who may not know what the name of the company is, what is it called again? So we have a, it's called Incubation Factory Entertainment okay. Limited. The law firm is Technological Partners. Good. Um, you can reach out to them. They have lawyers that will attend to you. Okay. So what incubation does is when we find an artist that we feel like is extremely talented, which you know, I have, like, I'm like oh, I love this artist, first thing we do is sign you up as for management under the artist development arm. In that artist development arm, because we know that you don't have the money, you don't have the resources, the kind of things that we advance to you is we give you a free studio to work with, with the producer. Now, at the beginning of the agreement, when we sit down and sign, I will tell you these are the services that we have, or these are the resources that we have, and these are the resources that will be available to you. Now, for every point in time that you want to access that resources, those resources rather, we attach a financial value to it. So for every two-hour session you have in the, in the, in the studio, it's going to cost you 40K. But you're not paying the 40k now. No. You know, it's going to be in, in, in future. Yeah. The same way that we have producers that we've put on a monthly stipend or salary, they will attend to you. But for every hour you work with the producer, this is how much it is. And we also have that agreement with the producer and stuff. So now, because everybody's aware 
It's not like I'm doing you a favor. Mm-hmm. You're not doing me a favor. I'm not doing you a favor. Yeah. We give you um, vocal training classes. Everything is costed. So at the end of each month, we render an account to you and say, okay, this is what you used up this month. Mm-hmm. This is what we achieved this month. You know, this month we had five songs recorded. Um, the A&R people came in and said, okay, no, we think you need to change your voice. You need to change your songwriting is what you need. So that agreement, we know that we're investing in terms of resources. And we know that in the first two years, we're not going to make any money because the artist is not ready for market. Mm-hmm. So it's all in the agreement. I mean, we've had artists that didn't like our structure and said, oh, no, it's too, you know, there's too many bureaucracy, there's too many people involved, we want to get out. And it was easy. I just pulled up my, my expense sheet and I said, okay, yeah, you could leave, but this is how much you owe me. And they say, oh, no, I can't afford it now. I will give you a payment plan. Okay, you can pay in three months. You can pay in five. It's worked out. Like, we've had, like, three artists leave. Yeah. And they've paid me my money back. There's no back and forth. There's no conversation. Of it. So it's, it boils down to the structure you put in as a man, an artist manager. Mm-hmm. And, and I also feel like it's the value and the leverage. I don't think there's any artist that walk up to me and have certain conversations with me. And maybe because of I, I moved from being a lawyer to into this role. So I'm not, I, I didn't start out, or I'm, I'm not your boy boy. I'm not your friend. Mm-hmm. I'm here to do business. Even the artists that we're friends with, that we also like translate from into being family, it's clear cut. Yeah. It's very clear cut. You know, when you see me at home in my, in my boxers and whatever, I will chill. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's as, it's as print, I, People say I run a military ship, but it's as principle that you can't come into the studio and smoke. Go outside. And I, I have no issues. And I tell them, I have no issues with you smoking. What or do you need to smoke? Studio. But not in the studio and not in a public place. Because if they arrest you, I'm not coming to save you. Because it's illegal. Mm-hmm. It's illegal. So I think when we define this job, because a lot of things are, you know, and I work with a lot of the older managers, and God bless them, you know, those guys walked their asses off, sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, they worked so hard and they became everything for the artists, but I felt like they, f- they, they forgot themselves too much. And artists would expect me to be your accountant, be your lawyer, be your... De- no, I'm so... I'm like, even though you can find all the resources in, because we have like a full one-stop shop, even though you can find all the resources in one building, you, you know that you have to pay for everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, and I tell you, I'm like, I'm not a booking agent. If you want a booking agent, we have a booking agent. We get you. I'm not. I'm. I'm a business manager. I'm not a booking agent. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the definition, like, and a manager. Some people are good, extremely good with A and R. Some people are not good with the business. Some people are extremely good in booking agencies. You know, some people are not good in in business management. So when you define clear, some people are extremely good with road management. Like. I, I cannot be caught. I mean, I'm extremely good with road management, but I've gotten to that stage where I can't stand people's nonsense in the industry anymore. Yeah. So when I'm when when you say nine o'clock and you're not there nine o'clock, I start getting irritated. So I've I can't handle road management anymore. It's the same way that I can't air now some certain genres of music. You know, and I tell my people, I'm like, when you know your strength when you admit your strength and capability, admit it so that you know you know that okay, and, and that's where it comes from. A manager, and you know, people used to, when we first started the management thing, people used to come and say, oh, the standard is 10%. I'm like, everything I'm offering, you think it's 10%? Do you think it's 10%? <laughs> so because there was no numerical value attached yeah. to those services, people rubbished it. 
But now that everything, we're beginning to see some sense and form of structure, people are now beginning to respect it. And the moment you start putting number value to everything, you are sending emails, like there's every email to every communication, mm -hmm. they know you're not joking. Yeah. And they respect it. But this is how things are done outside the country. I've never traveled outside the country. You know, in <laughs> well, I've traveled outside the country. But I've never, like, gone, you know, and, and that's why people ask me. And I feel like maybe it's because of my training as a lawyer. I mean, in my company, the best hands I have are all lawyers. So you see a lawyer functioning as a manager. You see a lawyer functioning as um, a producer. You see a lawyer functioning as a digital marketer yeah. because they have those skills. And the way we communicate, like I've been having issues with graphic designers, social media marketers, and digital marketers. And I realized that because they are creatives and informal from the informal sector, it's very hard for them to acclimatize. Like when I tell a lawyer, give me this report, give me this report, it's easy. They seamlessly go into it because we have the IRAC rule. So when you're sending me an email, I expect you to follow a certain format. But when I'm talking to these people, because everyone must know how to write reports. For the first five months, they will struggle and I'll be having a headache. And then I realized one day it came to my head that oh, they don't have that legal background. Mm -hmm. And I've been saying this for the longest time that I feel like the best music executives would must have a legal background, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I feel like that's where it's from. Yeah. I feel like that's where it's from. One of my questions is that why does it seem that when it comes to working with Nigerians, whether it's doing a JV deal or whatever, it's sending an artist, we seem to not want to respect proper procedures but when it comes to a foreign success company that is foreign and is successful, and they are saying this contract has to be signed, this has to be done, we we somehow understand the concept of fairness, oh doing things the wrong. What kilo not like? <laughs> but I, I think it goes back to the value thing we're talking about from the beginning. But yeah, we don't value ourselves. It goes back because you know. So it was until last year I realized that man, I'm actually one of the best doing this thing. And it's not like I'm fronting. Mm -hmm. It's just I've been so buried and so bastardized by my people in terms of the way that we're being treated, which I really don't care. But my ment I didn't even know mentally I was at that point where I'm just like, I'm just doing my work. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Mm -hmm. But when I was dealing on, you know, with some international bodies last year and I did some clearance for, you know, and for every little thing they wanted to do, were like 20 that had to give approval. And they will answer every, like, everybody has to approve before that thing gets done. And I'm mm. talking NFL. And even if it's down to the littlest money, everybody's asking for approval. And there are, like, six approvals coming yeah. at the same time. Because we have to clear for publishing. We have to clear for this. We have to clear for that. At the point, I was just like, ah, these emails are plenty. <laughs> and I realized that when I'm sending, like, it's even as funny as when an artist is about to release an album. So I, I tell my people, I mean, when, I wish you guys would see the, the boardroom. But this is where we all sit and when we're, I'll take about, a picture. To, yeah, when, when we're about to be like release an album. And I tell them, the timeline is we decide on the date of the release six months of course. before the album comes out. And this is why we have to do it. I'm like, you see the number of creatives we need to get? You see the number of this? You see the, the DSPs we need to liaise with mm -hmm. and everything. So they, they are looking at me and like, oh, the industry needs for... I'm like, nah, I'm not the industry. I'm creating my own industry. industry exactly. Just, and it's the same way I'm telling them, I'm like, I don't want my songs on this platform. 
I don't care whether everybody wants it on this platform because of the exposure. I'm not looking for exposure. I know what I'm looking for. And I explain to my artists that if I put it on this platform, it opens me up to piracy. And I have to spend more money taking to those songs down. down, which devalues times five. And I don't, I don't have that time. I don't have that resources. I have very limited resources, and I have to spend it. And my artists are like, okay, yeah, I get you. But there are some other artists I'm like, your audience would never stream music. So let me just go to this platform that has made it seem somewhat you know, nice to download music for free and partner with them and get value with them. Mm. So when we sit down and have these conversations and these structures, right? I th- and I think it goes down to a lot of training. Like there's no, and I'm not being proud, like there's no client of mine that you have some conversation with. When you have conversation with them, you'll be like, this person has a bit of sense. Because over the years, we've drilled in the value. I've taken it upon myself. Sometimes in a month or in a quarter, I spend like four hours training my clients, going to their houses and doing a whole presentation and showing them value and breaking down and, and being like, you, should have, you could have done this like this. This is what we should do. This is the next phase of your career. That's not what they pay me for. They're getting way too much value. Exactly. <laughs> They're going to add on. Way too much add-ons. But, but that's it. And I have a group. So this same thing we're talking about in terms of structure. Let me give you a perfect example. 2016, I realized that producers were not getting fair, the fair share of the pie. Producers were like broke. I'm like, it doesn't make sense because essentially in Nigeria, the production is like the 90% of this. I'm yeah. no offense to songwriters. <laughs> but like, yeah. you know, half the core of Afrobeat is in the beat. production. Yeah. So why are the artists broke? Why is it only the artists getting it? Um, sorry, why the producers broke? So, you know, we started, first of all, we discovered that with the PR, which is Coson, Coson had moved from what the definition of a producer was, mm. according to what the copyright was then, yeah. which was the way music was done in the olden days was really the artist gets on stage, tells the, the, tells the person, guitarist, play this, tells this. So in technical terms, the artist was the producer. And those were performers because you would tell them what to play, mm-hmm. right? But now when we went to go and explain to Coson that, no, you see that process has been consolidated into one machine where the producer is the one that comes up with it. And I said, it's even as bad as the producer now sends beats to the artists for them to get the inspiration mm-hmm. to record. Mm-hmm. So they are now composers. And we fought that fight for like two years. What, what was so hard for Coson to to grasp like because one of one thing i wanted to discuss with you is this is not a nigerian thing i think all over the world sometimes it seems like the law is slow to catch up with technology and how things are being done so let me tell you why it's because lawyers and i am and i keep blaming lawyers we don't do our work it took us first of all i identified the problem then i go with my my team and i said this is this is a problem how can we solve it and we went back to the law we didn't go back to the law to look for a problem. We went to the law to look for a solution. So the way the law is drafted, right, is that the law cannot cover everything at once. It's progressive. Unfortunately, we have a very slow legislative arm. Mm-hmm. The Copyright Act has been, the, revision, the new one has been in, in the assembly for the past, since when I was in, in, in 500 level, and I'm seven years at the bar. Now, the, the, you see, the thing is, when we, when we found that, that composer problem, put a team of lawyers together, very, led by, you know, Justin Gave, brilliant guy, you know, goes, goes into um, the law and finds out that, oh, 
we can go by this definition technically mm-hmm. and we took that and we went to Coson and we argued it back and forth with their lawyers and until we came to that okay yes this is it now we've taken that that new this thing and sent it to the national assembly to add to the new copyright act that is supposed to be done you know so so you see it's when lawyers don't test the law it, nothing nothing happens now the next phase for Coson was to now start for us was to now start convincing the artists that you don't own 100%. Yeah. Now another issue we had then was the law said equitable. Equitable could be anything. Right? And we pushed for we were saying equitable also means can mean equal. Which is why we now say that okay the the, art, the producer is entitled to 50% because they do 50% of the work. Mm-hmm. You know. So that and that we started and we started fighting and fighting. Then, but then in that fight, we now took it to say, you know what? Let's start the SARS Academy, where we have a bunch of guys, you know, maybe ten that we can afford every year. Come together, we we'll teach them the, the SARS. We we'll teach them the production part of it. We we'll teach the business, the management part, and and the legal part of it. And we sat, and I was always the one in charge of business part and the discipline you know, business ethics part of it. Mm-hmm. And they used to be so upset because if you, if, you, if I'm in class before you, bruv, <laughs> like I'm in class before you, like I tell you to do an assignment and you don't turn it in. And I can bet you, out there, if you've worked with any SARS Academy producer, one, a they, they don't delay their work. Two, they always respond to their email. And it's as bad as the, their email, if you check their email, there's a proper signature, properly written. They can draft a proper email and when they're sent, before any produce, before any SARS Academy producer releases the set final files to you, you must sign a split sheet. And that shift, now we've moved from the conversation of, oh, producers are not entitled to, why are you taking 50%? Mm-hmm. I'm good. That is, we sent 21 people, including SARS himself, into the world and said, go and do this job. And, it's, and in, in three years, there's been a shift. So now, producers are now in the conversation. Gems, so yeah. I f- and, and that's because Four of us sat down and we're just like, nah, this thing can't continue. And we're all lawyers. And that's why I keep saying that we don't test the law. You know, people keep saying there's no law, there's no law. I know what I've used the law to do, to mm. achieve some things. But we don't test the law. We, we refuse. Right now, I'm in the middle of testing one law that is a technical, technical thing. And everybody's beginning to back out. And I know I'm going to lose money. I know I'm going to lose relationship. But I'm just like, we have to do it. If I don't do it, if, if, so, if I don't do it, everybody's just going to be looking and thinking it's normal until they run us out of business. And we're all looking like, uh, she be, we should have done it, you know? Yeah. So. And I think you also see that with the Music Modernization Act. But, yeah. I, I, but I think that even just beyond lawyers testing the law, I think that we also need people in office who are enlightened. And enlightened is very, very generic. But people who know what. They are doing. I was about to say what the hell they are doing, but who knows? Because it's 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 frustrating when lawyers are testing the law, and like you said, this law has been stuck there for how long now? And that was why I I was totally dedicated to banking, because that's someone who's built his business with IP, so he understands the need yeah. for why the Copyright Act has to be reviewed. Yeah. He understands, he's an active stakeholder. Banky has been involved in Coson. He has been involved in like all this fight because he understands it. Banky gave us whiskey based on IP. Who better? And I was trying to get you know the whole industry to be like, guys, this is, we need to put this person in office. To be honest, I cared about how he was going to use that knowledge to better Etiosa. 
and, and, and his agendas were like pretty pretty much you know pointed and he had that like you could tell and it's not even just about ip or whatever banky is an exposed mind people will argue and say oh he's elite he doesn't understand the people's problem or or you know whatever and i'm just like this is someone that people around him benefited mm-hmm. people he sent to school the 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 foundation he has just because he doesn't make noise about it right he, he has people he sends so he understands if you can't go to school he also understands that we that we use ip need to be protected so it's it's it's, it's a, yeah you know that's the whole world thank you we're going next, next <laughs> I, i just think that even like when people say oh, i want this person to be president or whomever it is i always say have you pictured that person speaking on a public or world platform don't nigerians think in that manner to say that this person is going to be having intellectual discussions with other leaders from outside the country and in no way shape or form does that make you wonder like do we, we just don't care well, you know that it's funny because i think even the the lowest class gets it more than the elite class because if you go to the market women organization mm. their leaders have a strong hold as an understatement like their leaders would stand up the chairman of NURTW would stand up and tell you and tell bus drivers that you plan on moving today and they will move do you understand yeah. the elite we can't even gather ourselves I, you know I, i i don't want to turn this podcast into a ranting podcast <laughs> because i have so much to say but i'm interviewing you so we're going to just move on because it Yeah. <laughs> like we can't even put together a proper music association. You know, part of why I started this Sorry, part, you, you yeah. said something about music modernization. Yeah. It was pushed by labels coming together. Yeah. Yeah. Lawyers. Lawyers, you know? songwriters yeah. association. Mm-hmm. Every, we don't have the only association we've probably been able to do in in the past few years is the Music Publisher Association of Nigeria, which you know I was involved in but you know I stepped aside. And I know I know this struggle that we went through mm. to put that together i know first hand i've been in part of situations where we were supposed to form and I, at every point in time i just withdraw because it moved from the community goal to indi- individual goal and and that's not why i'm there and that's the fundamental problem with the elite people they feel like a lot of the elite you know a lot of us feel like we're entitled yeah because we're just like we've spent so much in getting this education we're fine we have the finesse you know so I'm, Nah. You know, yeah, you asked. No, yeah, I was about to say like part of why I even started this podcast was is because of the conversations I would have when I was, when I was working at Extreme Producers about the struggles that they were going through not getting paid, you know. So it's great to see the the shift that's happening now that producers are actually getting the respect. I remember one time someone tweeted that something about like who's going to who who's like the most ignored segment of the Nigerian music industry and I tweeted songwriters It was like a long time ago. And so I was like, what are you talking about? And <laughs> I'm like, don't you understand? That is encompassing of music producers as well. I'm just glad to see the the shift that you know you you're doing as well and making people really understand the importance that music producers bring to the table and songwriters as well. And it goes beyond just understanding that because it's one thing for you to say and yeah, respecting us, but is respect translating to money? So it's it's it's, it's just great to Let's see. Now, what do you believe are five things that artists must take into consideration before 
signing a contract. I think you kind of alluded to the fact that don't be entitled, but if you could just talk about five things, even if it's less than five, that you think that artists must consider seriously before they say they're going to sign a contract. So first of all, um, because of this shift, right? First of all, you need to understand that the money that was available to the industry in terms of local availability is being cut short by 70%. So first of all, you need to properly identify the value you're bringing to the table. Now it's going beyond just, I can sing, which is truth be told. Between Fireboy, Joe Boy, all the boys, <laughs> you're going to be doing much better than singing. Mm. You have to bring, be, be ready to bring a whole brand. You know, so you, you need to properly identify your value. You need to properly identify what you expect from a label. So if, if, if you feel like, okay, I want to sign with this label and this label has great relationship with DSPs, right? Or they have great relationship with this management or they have great relationship. So this phase of my career, I want it to be artist development and they have this great relationship. Or this phase of my career, I want to be able to release an EP that will do this numbers and do that number so that I can get this position in. And what you have to identify that so that you can also ask the label if they have that re- those resources to meet that expectation. You have to identify what the expectation of the label is properly. That would inform the length of the contract. It will inform how much resources are going into the contract because both of you understand your expectation. For the artist has to remove that false expectation that the industry has put, which is once you sign, you should have a Range Rover, you should be living in Lekki One. Now, you have to start thinking like a proper businessman. If I'm buying a Range Rover of 18 million and living in Lekki with the rent of 4 million, which is like 20 something million already on my career, and I don't have an EP yet, nobody's looking at you. Let's be honest. I feel like people just lie to the artists and say, oh, when they go to your Instagram, they want to see this. People don't. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. And I'm speaking from experience. I'm yeah. speaking from practice. Because a lot of time, people used to come to me. And people say that, oh, Fosa, you're not in the business, so you don't know. You're not in the so I had to go into I'm like, I need to understand this thing. Because it doesn't make sense to me. You know, and you, you have to build your community. And that's a lot of, that's the thing that a lot of artists keep missing. They feel like they can buy a community. You can't. You cannot skip it. See, that's why Beyonce is Beyonce. Beyonce doesn't talk. <laughs> In fact, when Beyonce talks, we're privileged. And that's because she has trained us. Us. She has trained the community. And when Beyonce was, Beyonce straight up said, Guys, what I owe you is my art. I don't owe you my personal life. Yeah. That's why we can't be upset when she does. In fact, when she gives it to us, we're like, oh, thank you, Queen. But I think also beyond that, I think it's the fact that behind the scenes, Beyonce is working. Yes. She's donating money. She's doing stuff beyond just going on the ground to yes. say, like, you know, whatever, whatever. You know, yes, she's actively involved. You know, she's very actively involved. Mm-hmm. So you have to build your community. You can't be from Bariga and you can't even hold 50 people in Bariga. It makes no sense. You can't be from Ikorudu and they don't see you doing stuff. You know, to whom much is given, much is expected. I understand that the Nigerian audience, they don't pay for anything music. They don't pay for the music. They don't buy your merch. They want free, free ticket to your show. But they still won't give away. And artists are feeding into that illusion. 
how are you an artist that you're not making, you're reasonably not making money from the value chain because the audience have not been trained to give that. You are doing giveaway of one million. Where are you getting the money from? I saw that during this and I just said to myself that, wow. And, and to be honest, and it's, it's happening to all industries. So don't be upset with your label if your label is adjusting too. Yeah. You know, don't be upset with the managers that have done, you know, I gave a forecast to one of my clients and said, this is how much we are. If we do this, we do this, we do this, this is how much we're supposed to make. When the pandemic started, the person said, and because we turned, the, turned down some deals because, frankly, it wasn't bringing value. Mm -hmm. They were just looking at money, but it wasn't bringing value. And I'd already gotten, like, several other things that made up for that money that, you know, lost, mm -hmm. but the pandemic shut everything down. And we're like, hey, the, the, the cuckoo see the, see the um, projection you made. And I'm like, are you dumb? Like, can't you see what's happening globally? And, mm -hmm. and that's to show you that a lot of, you know, the in, a, lot of, a lot of artists, creatives in the industry, they feel like the entertainment industry is, is operates in a vacuum. Yeah. They forget that anything that happens in the economy affects your industry. That is one of my biggest pet peeves when I see people who all we are concerned with is whether Kim is doing something. I'm like, you need to know what is going on around the world. It is, it is, but yeah, go ahead. It's such a global view. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, when they, when they say, oh, oil prices have crashed, you need to be weary. Exactly. And also, as an artist, do yourself a favor and question, please, question the source of your label's money. Mm -hmm. We've passed that age. Let me, and let me tell you the truth. Fun fact, true fact, if you are under a label that is run by a Yahoo boy, why do you really think that that Yahoo boy will not swab you too? Oh, yeah, oh, girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it equal. Let's keep it gender equity. <laughs> but, like, why would you think that that person would not swab you too? Or to the spiritual side, why do you think that the works of your hand will be blessed when you're stolen from someone else? Because, so, so I said, Poza, I said, Soba, Poza, <laughs> I have been hustling. I need money. I have been begging. Nobody wants to hear my music. So, waiting consign me if the money is from whatever. You have to understand that. You have to understand that aspect. Yeah, but you also have to understand why some factors play into. But the people that they are, have been successful and the source of their money isn't legal and they're doing just fine. So I always tell people that... How I, long is it? Okay, see, I always tell people that, see, eh, the problem that a lot of us that who are spiritual, you're trying to tell someone that this is the wrong thing to do. But I think we don't always acknowledge the fact that there are people who are doing bad and they are just thriving. In, they are thriving happily. See, also. I have... No problem with it. I mean, yeah. that's why I always say second. Yeah. I don't like. You see, the first thing I said is, why do you think that someone who is swindling people will not swindle you? you? Yeah. It's just common sense. Yeah. Right. Then I give you the second part, which is the spiritual part. Like, no matter, even if you're making it, and it can't last more than a certain number of years. Yeah. That's true. It's been happening. It's shown. It's been happening for every. And then people will also say, oh, those that are still with the government and everything, check it. There's something always wrong. Yeah, but I think people are willing to take that risk. I know, people are willing to take that, but don't come and be complaining and crying to us. That's my point. Okay, got like, it. Like, don't come and complain and cry to us. Yeah. Because you already knew what was going to happen mm -hmm. at the back of your mind, but you just decided to plunge with it. Yeah, so if you're going to die with the devil, die with a long fuck, oh, but yeah. that fuck will break one day. <laughs> it's metal. It will <laughs> bend slowly. <laughs> you know, it, it would one day. So you have to, those things, you have to change the mindset. Okay. And for the labels. I was about to say so, yes. For the labels. And for the labels. Yeah. Don't 
get involved with an artist that's not invested in itself. To find your niche. Now, we have different, you know, there are different structures coming up now. Like, for example, we are building a structure where, you know, we want to be able to service other labels, which is kind of how the way they do it in Yankee, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, okay, we're building all these structures for you. You can come and sign with Unplug. So you can come and plug to my events production company. You can come and plug. So as opposed to you doing everything, you can just focus and say, okay, this is what I want to do. So labels, you need to also like find your niche and see where you want to build from. Three, um, you can't do everything. Like you, you're not an expert in everything. Mm -hmm. So hire the right hands. Please don't let people sell the dreams. Like how will you come and tell someone that I can blow your artist with 20 million naira? Treat the label like a business. So if you're going to invest in a Greek, you will ask certain questions. Mm -hmm. Same way you should ask certain questions in music. You know, I was negotiating the other day and a lawyer was telling my client that my client is supposed to drop 60 million upfront before his client can sign the deal. I said, oh, no problem, <laughs> right? And I asked, I said, what has your artist done to be able to worth a 60 million advance? And everywhere went mute. And know that this investor is his friend. And I'm, I'm, asking, I'm like, what business do you do? Because I put things like you, you have to submit a budget, you have to submit a deliverable um, a project plan with deliverables and everything, and they were grumbling. I'm like, they say, so they go from 20 million can blow, can blow this song to we can't predict these things. <laughs> but you want to collect 20 million. So let's have sense. Labels, you know, let's ask questions. Let's hire the right answer. And I think, no, I think they also need to value. And value is not even doing the word value justice. Place a strong emphasis on artist development. Yes. Artists need not just A&R. They need to know how to speak to the media, speak to their fans. It is, you know, a part of me sometimes, and I'm not trying to be mean, a part of me misses like the old times of when you had quote unquote music gatekeepers because you see when artists would get signed, the process before they would release their singles or they release their EP or whatever the case may be, take a while because that artist is going through dance training. You're going through vocal training. You're going through how to speak to the media. Yep. You're going to speak to, you're going through training on how to like communicate with your fans. All these things play a huge role in how successful that artist is going to be. Definitely. So, I don't know. So, for, for, for example, two, I'm going to give you two examples. So, Chloe and Harley. Yeah, yes, yes. Those girls. Oh, my gosh. Have been under the, like, almost five years yes. of artist development. Yeah. Almost five years. Yeah. And you, you can see the growth. the growth. And you can see that this new album they're about to put out. Yeah. You can see that now the label is like, yes, we can now go full throttle. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that during that time of artist development, they weren't working, mm -hmm. they were you know, doing Gronish, they mm -hmm. were doing soundtrack. Mm -hmm. were, Chloe, um, Chloe was perfecting her production skills. Mm -hmm. You could see when they're talking, the way their intonation is, their voice is lowered. Yeah. You know, they're talking, the gaze, the laugh, everything, the poise. Yeah. And you're just like, Nigerian one is Rema. Rema was signed a year before Maven announced. And that's why when you see Rema on stage and he's performing and you're just like... <gasps> This you guy, can, yeah. You can see that Rema is performing to a group of energy boys and yeah. he's giving them the energy. So when he's coming with the mask and he's doing... Uh, 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 <laughs> Rema is not smoking. He's not drinking online. He's currently in his... I'm 18 and I'm living my life. He's training. Even when he's talking... 
to the media, you can see that this is their position is with that coy baby boy, mm-hmm. you know, that is, is every teenage girl's crush. It's deliberate. It took one, I, I know this because I was privy to the, it took mm-hmm. one year. And I know that they said that you send him to the studio, they send him to this, they're doing that, and, you know, people, they're just talking into his head. You think in that one year, the boy wasn't frustrated, you know, like, some artists have been frustrated, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything, I'm not releasing mm-hmm. music. After you release music, what? But even before the one year of that whole development process, he was already in a group. So that he was yeah. coming with some level of some foundation of you know experience and, and that group before then six months before then also um um the prince was doing a one yeah, on exactly two. exactly so almost two years for him to get to where he is yeah right now that is quiet is undergoing the next level what are we doing next for you this mm. is how you're supposed to come up because now mm. you can see he has moved from and uh, what's that song sang? when it was this it was in the car yeah you know and Big Brother is doing the, the camera and yeah. everything. Now he's moved to Caribbean Boys and the and then So it's, you get, now their position entering, is entering into, I'm the teen sexy. It's deliberate, but people just feel like, oh, how can I blow like Crema? <laughs> <laughs> how can I blow like Fireboy? Yeah. Oh, God. It's or a process. The, the best one. I want to blow like Joe Boy. <laughs> I think it goes back to, <laughs> I think it goes back to the fact that we don't trust the process because we don't see a lot of people who have become successful go through the process. We have seen just instantaneous blowing or we ignore that the process was happening behind the scenes, which, which we were not privy to. And for us, it just seems like, oh, it's a miracle. This person, Joe Boy, just came out of the, you know, out of the womb and he just, you, you know, know, became a superstar. Joe Boy, when Baby was already, you know, Baby was already buzzing. Right, this was early, I think, 20, I think late 2018. Was it, no, late 2017 or something. I don't know, I can't remember correctly, but he sent me a DM and said, please, I see that you like music, please listen to this song. And when I listened to it, I said, ah, I've heard this song before now, why is this boy DMing me, right? Mm-hmm. And I checked, I'm like, that, the, the video was already on like 4 million views, the visualizer. And I'm like, ah, this boy is still sending Damn. So I, I was talking to Osagi. I was like, oh, have you heard this guy? That we should bring him on business gig. And she was like, Joe Boy. I said, ah, he even sent me a DM. Osagi was like, no, don't worry. Send anybody DMs. I was just like, oh. So I said, but his song is at 4 million. Like, why is he sending people DMs to listen to his mm-hmm. songs? Now, Baby took another six months for it to become yeah, that Baby. Global. And that song has been on the chart since 2018. It's still on Apple charts. Mm-hmm. All Joe Boy's songs are still on Apple charts. Same thing with Jealous for Fireboy. Those songs are still on the chart because the community. Do you do you know how attached I feel to Joe Boy because he sent me a person? <laughs> no, it means even if it was not him, even if it was his um, people, it's the fact that they took the initiative to reach out, and I think that a lot of Nigerians whether it's artists or whomever, there's, there's this sense of pride that we have that I don't, I need to just not even do bare minimum. Yo, yo, like it's, this is beneath me. Exactly. You know, and it's just, it's so, it's, you know, like I said, I really wish you could go on and on and on. I feel like this podcast, you have to I know, (laughs) (laughs) but it's so great. But one last question, two more questions before I go into my fun random questions with you is, remember that I told you that I was thinking about something when I was coming to interview you. As a lawyer, when you're representing a client and 
you see that the other party that your client is going to get into a contract with, you see that the terms of the deal are not, it's not even about being favorable to the other party. They're they're egregious and the other party is not aware. Maybe the person just is not reading the contract or maybe they're just saying, oh yeah, sign here. My lawyer is here to, for, to see that. As the lawyer for the other part, for the, for the client, do you have a responsibility to tell your client that you need to like structure this deal to be not more, maybe not more favorable, but to be fair? Because a lot of times, you know, as a lawyer, you don't want to be accused of professional misconduct. Mm-hmm. And in the States, before you become a lawyer, there's an exam. It's called the MPRE, the Multi-State Professional Responsibility Examination. It's an examination to tell lawyers that, okay, we're trying to see how professional in terms of like conduct and, you know, honesty and all these different things that before you can become a lawyer. And um, you have to pass that exam because if you don't pass it, you're not becoming a lawyer. <laughs> so for you, do you as a lawyer as well, do you think that it is a case that lawyers have to tell their clients that, you know, you need to be fair, not nice, because niceness is not the point, but fairness. I'm, I'm not a nice person. I'm a fair person, right? I'm that kind of person that in all my agreements with my own personal business is I give you a room to come and renegotiate. So you come and renegotiate based on value. That's where my niceness is. Like I was telling my staff yesterday, he said, oh, I feel like I deserve a raise. I said, come and prove it to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to offer you a raise, mm-hmm. you know, but me telling you that come and prove it to me is being fair, right? And I, and I tell that to my clients too. And I say, see, it's not that you want to be nice. It's that for you to have a percentage of something, because if you are mean or you're wicked or whatever it is, or you're evil in your contract, you end up with 100% of nothing because this talent or this product or whatever it is, is coming from human. And we keep forgetting that, that the basic form of every IP is from the brain. And that human mind has to be in the best state to get the best product from mm-hmm. it. I mean, I've been in situations where I've outright told my clients that this is nonsense. And by industry, and because I owe my industry a duty to put in place contracts that makes it move forward. So I, 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 I function from that, and I also function from the law itself. So my foundation is from the law itself, not generally like I mean. And I mean, if, it, if it's becoming something that you're not going to listen to me, and I think my conscience or whatever it is or fundamentally against everything the law and everything all my checkboxes i move away from that contract i step away you know i step away from that contract because the other option for me would be to frustrate the contract which will now be a professional misconduct exactly but i've had situations where we were functioning for the label and the label was in i mean the lawyer before drafted a very unfair contract and we spoke to our client and told him this Ethically, standard, anywhere in the world cannot fly. Yeah. And we have to review it. You know, and we called the, the artist and you know, told him, you, you have to come and renegotiate your contract, but these are the, within the confines you can renegotiate it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, the contract had already messed up that relationship so bad yeah. that both parties were mentally, psychologically damaged. And we could see that that relationship was headed for the rocks. And mm. it was unfortunate because that relationship was just beginning to blossom. Mm. But because they've both been psychologically damaged by the contract, 
it couldn't move forward and we tried to salvage it but you know we also got like all the producers in because the producers now felt cheated they felt like they were being ignored and not because the label owner necessarily wanted to do it it just didn't know better yeah right it just didn't know better now the 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 producers started going about saying trash talking and the brand started damaging the brand equity started moving you know, and my client started thinking that you know we were now all for everybody apart from yeah. and and i just i just sent in my resignation letter and said i don't think i can keep working with you because now you're too it's not my job to be a psychologist right so you're you're like beyond damage i can't salvage it and it's going to everybody's going to come and start blaming the lawyer and they will not know that i'm, I'm not the lawyer that started because, yeah, exactly <laughs> and that's uh, that's why i asked that question because a lot of times i think that law as lawyers we may think that it's the label that's their own business but things get said outside and you will become identified as the person who structured that deal and what oh, you know unfortunate thing is is affecting me now yeah it's affecting because the other parties have refused to see that you know it wasn't his, his own lawyer understood that okay these people are actually these lawyers yeah, are actually doing i know number of times i called and said come on let's do this come on let's. but they Oh, we're having personal issues yeah and the personal issues kept conflicting oh i fed you when you were hungry all this kind of thing so me in the mid and, and i yeah, tweeted something and <laughs> two days ago i said you people need to stop you know having illicit affairs and blaming it on the lawyers yeah. because those personal things begin to trickle into business yeah and i'm i'm being objective and doing the objective thing but because you guys have been you know affected by your affairs yeah it's now affecting and the lawyer is now the evil person yeah you know so it's it's still affecting because I've, i'll go to meetings and people say oh are you the lawyer that did it? i'm like yeah. no i'm not the one yeah. check <laughs> you know, i'm not the one but you know so yeah okay you, you have that responsibility that's 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 good to hear last two questions over the weekend someone retweeted a tweet from you and you said i repeat do not sell your souls for apple music playlist <laughs> and you went on further to clarify that i'm not talking about actual charts but that some of you are giving your entire ip away after cursing labels for playlists now yeah, because some people, their own goal is to be on playlists and people will see it, you know, but you think otherwise because you're a lawyer and you understand the value of intellectual property. So can you speak more about that a little bit? So I've, I've come across numerous deals from foreign companies yeah. <laughs> and those deals are not in the long run in benefit to the artist. And these artists, they've insulted the Nigerian labels. I want, so this is the new fight. I need to own my IP. Okay, now you're owning the IP. What are you going to use? Mm. You have to monetize it. How? You don't have the resources. You don't have the technical know-how. So I get that in Yankee, it's easy for them to be fighting for IP ownership. But we're still, we've not gotten to that stage. Because first of all, 90% of the artists still need education. So even if you own the IP, is of no value to you if you're not if you're not transacting with it or keeping it now because there's a foreign label with a foreign name and a big name they are coming and saying ah i can get you this i can get you this playlist i can so that that phrase came from a certain deal i saw where they said that oh let's go into a a co-ownership situation and the only thing i'm bringing to the table is to give you playlists (laughs) (laughs) so and I, and I was like, and I told my client, I said, but I can get you playlists if you want the playlist. Mm-hmm. 
like and and because of that contract i had to go and study and learn and interact with like the biggest distribution you know companies around and figure out why is playlist such a rave why is everybody going mad about playlists and i started looking at it and i say okay so if you have this playlist what's the conversion right mm -hmm. what's the conversion in terms of brand in terms of value and the, it boils down to the, these playlists are being controlled by algorithms Except so, the ones that labels specifically tell the funny thing is they lobby for it too. So it's not like it's certain. So if you if you if you don't if you've not built up value, there's no lobbying they want to do. Oh, yeah, you know, even if you get it off they'll probably give you like a day and bounce because you're not converting value for them. Mm -hmm. So imagine like you're a guy in Bariga and you can convince one thousand people to come on boom play that day and stream that song at that particular minute, boom play will feel the effect. And whoever is on, on the other end, the curator on the other end, yeah. will be forced to curate it, to yeah. target because they want that audience to keep coming. It's algorithm. It's not anybody pushing anything. So if you're going to give someone 50% of your work for the barest minimum you can do by yourself, like if, if I'm going to sign with you as a major label, I want international force because I can't do that myself. So when I say Apple Music Play, that's what I actually like. <laughs> but it's not necessarily Apple Music Play. I mean, oh, no, no, yes, I yes. To, I think maybe I need to remove the Apple Playlist in general. <laughs> totally random. My is actually the digital um, is happening today. So hopefully we can get to some of it today <laughs> or tomorrow. Final question. What can Nigerian courts or arbitration panels, what can they do? or stop in order to help facilitate the resolution of disputes between artists and labels? Actually, it starts from what can the industry do? I mean, so the judiciary is not, is not, doesn't function in a vacuum. If they don't get cases that has to do with entertainment, they're not going to move. If they don't get cases that has to do with hype, they're not going to move. They, they don't see the need for going to judiciary training to be trained. They don't see the need. It's until, so imagine we're getting 20 cases in a year that has to do with country. Like the, I mean, the only one of the few precedents we have in terms of like the music industry is King Sonny Ade and their bureau family. After that, there was the Chuck City and Brimo. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if it was ever concluded or they withdrew it. But the judges in India are just like, okay, just two cases in how many, in three decades? So we don't even, that's it. I go back to that, we don't use the law. So imagine we have like numerous cases in court trying to test the law. It's not easy for us when we go for our MBA conferences or whatever to come and now say, yo guys, we have this pressing industry issue and we need, these are the things we need. And we start lobbying to change the practice directions, to change certain, like for example, let me give you a prime example. So we have something in Lagos called small courts division. So the small courts division deals with any case that is any contract case or whatever that is less than five million. And this was because Lagos State was beginning to receive a lot of issues, you know, that were one million, two hundred k, you know, and it was just a lot, and it was crowding up the court. So what did we, what did they do it, it, to decongest the case? we just went took it to that court, and in one month, your case is settled. That's because there was a pressing need for that. Now, mm. fortunately, this COVID 
as thank you Jesus because first of all you need to understand that the Nigerian legal system generally takes its time I don't know what I think maybe I need to find out the philosophy behind that but we take our sweet time and now we've seen that we can actually have court hearings online and we don't have to go to court mm-hmm. so now practice directions are being put in place to be able to um, adapt to virtual hearing. So which now also, you know, there's sometimes like um, lawyers who travel from Abuja to Lagos for a hearing and the court will not sit and all that. And we've been, people have been complaining. And we started, we, we, we moved, I think the first adjustment was the registrar must always inform if the court judge will not be sitting or whatever and whatever. So now, the good thing is, the silver lining now is that now, hopefully, we can continue with virtual hearings for some matters. And the next step now will be to see how you know, the court begins to um, take on cases in terms of IP with a matter of urgency because we have to prove to them that IP depends on time and yeah. value. Now, in terms of arbitration, which is also the easiest other way to go, but arbitration is still very expensive for the entertainment industry. right? So I usually recommend mediation. Do mediation first before to go to the arbitral panel. But then again, we are not using it. We are not even using the arbitration. This was three years ago when we started, when the whole country was forced to start including arbitration clauses into our contract. I think three to four years ago. So every case must have gone to arbitration or dispute resolution before coming to the court because the court couldn't even handle the workload. So you can see that the court also responds towards the yes, <laughs> whatever sir. industry is doing. Is responding and is it for example? So now there have been so many shipping cases. Now there's there are select judges that handles. So and, and I think the copyright, I think copyright acts is in the exclusive list or IP matters are in the exclusive list, which, which means it has to go to the federal high court, mm-hmm. which is another you know. So a lot of there's some things on the exclusive list that were generally fighting, you know, as a community to move from the exclusive list and put it on the non-exclusivity so that you know more people can administrate over it. So um, now the Nigerian court is still probably still a long way to go, but the arbitration panel is, the arbitration situation is still very much available. But we're not using it. Have you heard of any case, that's, any, any entertainment case that has gone to arbitration? That's why I said I had to, I had to add arbitration. <laughs> My initial question was just Nigerian court. But I said, you know, I want to put arbitration panels there as well because I think it's important. Yeah, but there's 90% of the contracts that are yeah. signed now, they have arbitration courses. Yeah. They do. But we just don't, don't use, use them. It. Interesting, random thing. I attended like a webinar during the lockdown on like, how Nigerian courts are responding to coronavirus and how if the virtual hearings are going to be a constant, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It con- it's going to have constant presence and different lawyers had different opinions. But the, so the let, me, let me tell you the lawyers that are against it, the old ones. <laughs> Ironically, a couple of elderly um, lawyers who were in support, who were actually championing for that, that courts just have to adapt this is how things are being done now if you don't adapt you get left behind so it was interesting to see elderly seasoned lawyers actually saying that because some of them cannot even operate their computer properly <laughs> so they have issues with it but this like one of the zoom hearings you know like a thousand like almost 500 people tuned in right yeah because one of the the one of the excuse was oh it's not public what's not public about 500 people online yeah but in the have you gone to the federal court in the You can't sit more than 
and it's always stuffy. Then I, we have to wear wig and gown, and you're doing like this in coffee, yeah. you're blowing fan and everything. So, in future looking or whatever mm-hmm. it is, that's the future to yeah. go. So right now, I expect that you know, law preneurs, law tech people are beginning to think about how to develop like a closed portal or whatever it is, you know, to be able to facilitate virtual errands. Because whether we like it or not, like I said from the beginning, there's a tectonic shift, and this is when billionaires are about to be made. So if your eyes are not open, everything has to adjust. Every single thing yeah. has to adjust. But I think it's better to note that one of the lawyers mentioned, and I, I do agree with that, that she talked about the virtual hearings and in particular, when you talk about domestic violence cases or sexual abuse cases, a lot of people that bring these cases are living in like villages or places that don't have access to constant electricity or internet service. So before you now go and say, tell the person to come as a, as a witness, that takes a lot of time to go and do that. And then how many people have actually have smartphones that can actually connect to the internet. So the government also has a role to play in ensuring that people in communities have access to these Zoom hearings that, or, you know, these cases that are going to be done through virtual hearing. And I thought it was a very, it was valid. a very valid point to make. But, 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 you know, the thing is, yes, I totally agree. We are not going to 100% move to Zoom hearings. So things like IP matter. So before you have an IP matter, to be honest, you have some certain level of exposure. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. Before you have a shipping matter, you have a certain level of exposure. Now, the other cases like, oh, this woman went to rob or whatever, of course, that's why we still have this money. And those courts still need to be there. Mm-hmm. But in the next five years, with the, with the um, I think I was reading two weeks ago that they're, they're laying cable, Google, MTN, and a Chinese company or whatever, they're laying cables around, you know. It's going to be a tra- dramatic shift. Yeah. In the next five years, data is going to be cheap like water. We need to start preparing for that. Yeah. So those, so the government has the responsibility. That's why whoever you guys are voting for in the next election has to have a tech-oriented mindset or a tech-oriented cabinet or, you know, whatever, because that's where we need to onboard those people. You know, the funny thing is people keep saying, yeah, people that, you know, um, they don't know what the internet is or whatever. But if you check, they have Facebook accounts. They have Facebook accounts. Mm-hmm. That's why Facebook is, the, is still the number one social media platform. Yeah. So we need to start tapping into all that. Whether we like it or not, when, when ATM... ATMs, you know, came in, we were all complaining. Yeah. But the Okada guy can use his ATM card. Even yeah. though he doesn't, he just knows the technique yeah. and the distance. It's yeah. too, I've seen it happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with that, that the government has to embark on desensitization. And we have, we have, I keep saying it, this period, because right now, let me just tell you guys, Nigeria cannot fall more than what is falling. <laughs> so we're at a certain level. America is falling and coming to our level. Now, the others are fighting to take America's space in terms of superpower. So they are, they are currently now, for the next two years, going to ignore... You know, before they were coming, they were all fighting to take hold of Africa so that they can join that to their power and fight the superpower. But now, they see that there's a crack in America and everybody's, all of them are fighting to get that superpower. So Africa will have the chance to go and get Lever to tell them when they come back, get out. I just, for the record, I want to say I want both my countries to go. <laughs> <laughs> I know 
I mean, this is a bathtub to have a blue and I green know, passport. I know, right? <laughs> I'm just like, you know, because talking about the ADB situation, I was like, dang, y'all, dang, y'all. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm just gonna keep it moving. So, so guys, if you have the opportunity, and this is not just music or whatever, if you have the opportunity, I think we we, we just need more people exposed and educated, so that when you have the opportunity to go out and have conversation, you're not going out to have conversation of, oh, I want this for my company. You're going to have conversation on a broad scale. Yeah, that whatever investment it is is benefiting your country, your industry as a whole, and which is why you have to respect someone like. It's that easy. Because, you know, as much as he went out, took his bag, went out and went to go and have conversation that would change, that would affect his, his, his company, but change the way systems are being made yeah. in the industry. Yeah. Which we can see the ripple effect. Exactly. So, so, and that's because someone was, was able to sit down and when he had the opportunity to speak, he was able to speak. So every elite educated person out there this is the period where everybody needs us not to be selfish but to build well said well said now let's go into the fun random questions are you ready yeah okay first question is what are the first three things that you do when you wake up so i I pray i pick up my phone and i check my whatsapp messages (laughs) (laughs) and i decide is it two or three? three three then i Put on music and get to get ready. Okay. Second question. An artist is building her team and she only has money to pay one professional. Who should the artist choose and why? The options are a manager, lawyer, or publicist. A lawyer. Because the lawyer has a manager as a client, a publicist as a client that she can introduce you to. Okay. (laughs) Not because you're a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Third question. Out of these three women, who would you choose to represent based on the breadth of issues that you'd be dealing with? The options are Onyeka Owenu, Issa Rae, or Rihanna? Hmm. Hmm. Actually. Ah. Okay, I, I think it has to be Oika. Mm. I think it has to be Oika. Because she's, she's gone the whole night. Yards. She's been a woman, you know, in international front. She's been a woman in the a male-dominated industry. She's had her own cases. She has fought in terms of lawsuits, you know. She's been famous, you know, and dealt with backlash mm-hmm. and, and stuff. Rihanna and Issa would just be black girl magic fighting foreign black girl magic for mm. me. Yeah. You know, but Oyeka is like 360, so it would be Oyeka. Okay, that's good. Um, fourth question, fill in the blank. Entertainment lawyers are superstars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final question is, name three artists that you had on steady rotation during the initial lockdown. I had, um, oh, this, this is such an interesting playlist. I had Elevation Worship. Okay. I had Baski. And I had Dunsi Oyeko. Who's Dunsi? Uh, I sing, just breathe your name upon me. Breathe. It's a Christian artist. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's something about um, 
it's not religious music, but just music that is Christian or whether it's even Islam music or whatever the case may be, that just has a way of like moving your spirit. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't know what it is. Like Hillsong's one of my favorite groups. Oh, like they're just I love the, them. Their, their lyrics oh. they make me. They're value so, yes so it has a meaning oh they're amazing songwriters yeah amazing yeah. all right any last words for us before we wrap it up um first of all thank you for this you know podcast that you do i know it's not cheap i see your gadget <laughs> the gadget is so fine i'm beginning to think about it like ah, ah, damn i mean she has a full set of mixer you know nikon camera two podcast mics you know what i mean it's looking so dope and she said that you know she will have done the video but because of you know corona and stuff mm-hmm. but actually thank you for what you do oh because, no thank you, know, you for being a girl it's education is very needed and we've been doing it the way we can and we still just need it to, to go out and i feel like for you as an artist or a label if you're making mistakes at this point it's really on you i mean seven years ago you could have argue that you didn't know but ignorance is no longer an excuse there's yeah. information everywhere there's examples everywhere and stop being cheap engage the right professionals and treat it like a business treat it like a business once you start treating it like a business you find what you're looking for you find the best lawyers you find the best managers you find the best publicists and just always think five years you know, in five years, would this decision benefit me? In five years, where would the industry be? In five years, would this investor mean any, investment mean anything and stuff? And I feel like, you know, it's a time where all of us have to come together to grow. And don't be selfish. Yeah. She, you know, some people are going to sign deals and keep the information to themselves. They will not tell us so that we can know if you signed nonsense or, you know, you can help the other person, you know, not to sign rubbish and mm-hmm. stuff. And now the foreigners are going to be coming in like drove because now every, everywhere is broke and our Naira is devalued. So it's, it's time for them to, you know, from the Chinese to the French people to America to maybe not the UK because those ones are broke, very, very broke. <laughs> so, but everybody's coming in to have a bite of Africa. And I feel like a lot of us are going to start continuing. We're we're still beaten by colonialism that we're going to sell ourselves back again to the slaves. So please, please, please don't sign slave master deals. And that's really the onus of my Don't Sell Your Soul for Apple Music playlist. Mm -hmm. Um, And always remember that for every platform that comes to you for your content, you are the one giving them the most value. Because... If your music doesn't make, let me even give you a secret. If your music doesn't make money on, let's say, Apple Music or Spotify or Pandora, whatever it is, for example, for every song that is on that platform, it increases their valuation. But that your song is not making one naira from it doesn't affect them, right? So we, we need to understand, like it goes back to what we said, we need to find ourselves and understand our value again so that we can everybody can eat and be happy but this is africa's time i mean all the afrobeats to the world afrobeats to the world a lot of us are just making noise but the view those of us at the back we need to sit down and actually embrace africa to the world and do the work please don't sell your soul for cheap stuffs stuffs thank you thank you so much Shadi, for having me here no. this, was, this was the most interesting conversation i've had it's not you know I, I don't like going for interviews anymore because a lot of basic questions and it doesn't task my brain now. You know, I'm just always like, ah, same thing. I'm saying the same thing, yeah. same thing again. But I really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, I'm glad. And I, really can, I just, can I just get props to my legal background? <laughs> hey. Of 
loyal as superstars. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, yeah. Boza. Yeah, you're welcome. This episode is produced and edited by me, Paula Shade Anoje. Theme song for the show is by Imodu Ayonote. You can subscribe to the podcast on Audio Mac, Apple Podcast, Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Stitcher Radio. Simply search for T H E S N C Podcast. So that's the S N C Podcast, which is one word, no spacing. Also follow us at T H E S N C Podcast, still one word on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you for listening.